Did you know that in 1900, 82% of all Christians lived in Europe and North America? That in 2020, that number has dropped to 33% of all Christians living in Europe and North America. Did you know that in 2014, Latin America surpassed Europe as being the continent with the most Christians? In 2018, Africa overtook Latin America for having the most Christians. Did you know that in 2020, of the 10 nations with the most evangelicals, nine of them are in a global south? Now, the church has all kinds of acronyms and phrases they make. The global south is kind of an inaccurate description for um, the parts of our world with developing economies throughout Latin America, Africa, Asia, and Oceania. So it's kind of the lower, the lower part of the hemisphere is a crown like that and all. So that in 2020, 10 of the nations with the most evangelicals, nine of them were in the global south. Did you know that more, what, what, all right, all right, here we go. Put on your thinking caps. What, what, what language, what, let me start over. All right, thing I'm, all right. I, I didn't write this as a question, and now I can't do it in my mind quick enough. What language do most Christians speak as their mother tongue? Talk to me. I thought you'd get that one wrong. Okay, Spanish. All right. I thought someone would go, oh, it's Chinese. No, it's Spanish. It's true. Spanish. That's right. And so now you can definitely say, if nothing else, you learned something today in church. All right? The World in, uh, Christian Encyclopedia summarizes the current makeup of Christianity this way. The number of evangelicals in the world has increased to 112 million in 1970 to 386 million in 2020. Now you need to catch something that these people do with terms and phrases. Christians mean everyone who calls himself a Christian. It might not mean that they have a saving faith. Evangelicals is a term they use that means those who believe in one state, in, in a saving faith in a similar way that we would believe in a saving faith. So evangelicals have grown globally. Evangelicalism is predominantly, um, is predominantly a non-white movement within Christianity and is becoming increasingly more so. With 77% of evangelicals living in the global south in 2020, um, this, this reality runs against the popular perception in the West that the U.S. is the home of contemporary evangelicalism, which is defined as largely white, politically conservative movement. And that is no longer the case at all. God is being worshipped around the world in thousands and thousands of languages among thousands of people groups around the world, more now than ever, ever before. And I've really not given our missionaries, our global outreach, the kind of attention it needs. And because of that, inspired by an old friend of mine today, I want us to do a grand tour through the Bible about God's heart for the nations and what he, and his desire for the world to see him, them worshiping him. And so, first of all, God's vision for the world has always been singular. That's what he has always been about. Open up your Bibles to Genesis 12. Um, missions is in the Bible, or global outreach, whatever you want to call it, is in the Bible from the very, very earliest part of your Bible. So open up your Bible or your device to Genesis chapter 12. And there, in verses 1 through 3, it says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country, from your relatives, and from your father's house. That is God's model. It has been since this time. It is still today. It always has been. I am sending you. I want you to go. 
I want you to go. He didn't say that just for Abraham. He didn't say that just for the apostles. He said that for me and you. I want you to go. That's why we at Crossing here talk about that thing about equip, send, serve. We are all sent. We are all sent. All of us are sent. Not necessarily to a place, but to the relationships that are active in our life. The people in our life, the people you live around, the people you work around, the people you live with, your family. You are sent to them specifically, intentionally, because God has purpose and plan for you to be in relationship with them. You are sent. Here we are. This is where God says, go where I will send you. From your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And, and, so you shall be a and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And to you, all families on the earth shall be blessed. That is God's desire for the world, that all families on the earth be blessed. He said it in Genesis 12 from the very earliest times. And he's continued to say that ongoing. Now, God wants to bless his people, so he saves them, he forgives them, he makes them his children, he adopts them into his family, he redeems them, he begins to trans transform them through his word and through his spirit and through his people, he showers them with blessings, and then these blessings are never an end unto themselves. We are not Christian sponges. We are Christian funnels. The difference between the two is a sponge soaks things up, soaks things up, keeps it for itself. A funnel only lets things pass through. It never keeps anything. We are blessed so that those blessings will run from us to someone else. And, there's, and in that, there is always that greater blessing. That all peoples will be blessed in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God sees our world full of people, not as political nations as we do, not as lines on a map as we see it or anything else like that. The world is made up. In the Old Testament, the word is goyim. In the New Testament, the word is ethne. And that's how he sees the world. People group, ethnic people groups all around the world. And so a people group would just be a group of people, humans, with a common descent, history, customs, language, that kind of thing. It's a group of people who descend from a common ancestors. They, they have the same language. They believe the same, they have the same worldview. And so, um, and, and even in the, in the Old Testament here, you see them talking about people groups, Egyptians, Hittites, Moabites, um, the Israelites. All of these people were people groups. Today they estimate there's probably somewhere, it depends on what the numbers you look at, 16 to 17,000 people groups around the world. But notice this. Why did God bless Abraham? God blessed him so that to bless every people on the face of the earth. We said that. He has blessed them. He has blessed Abraham to be a blessing. And that is the mission of God that he started out with. That is the mission of God that he continues on through this day. God's desire is to bless all peoples. And, and he mentioned it in literally dozens and dozens of times throughout Scripture. Open up your Bibles to Psalm 67. Flip over there. And there in Psalm 67, we see him saying something like this again, repeating this, this charge, this mandate. God, be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, that thy way may be known on the earth. You could stop right there. Okay, enough said. I get your point. No, but he doesn't. He keeps going. 
Thy salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise thee, O God. Let all the peoples praise thee. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For thou wilt judge the people with uprightness and guide the nations on earth. Let all the peoples praise thee, O God. Let all the peoples praise thee. The earth has yielded its produce, God. Our God bless us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. He says it so clearly right there. Thy way may be known on the earth, the salvation among all nations. And that type of statement is made throughout Scripture. You can flip over to Psalm 87. There again, another passage where he says something very similar. And in Psalm 87, it's very interesting because it's not what you think about. Psalm 87 His foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the other dwelling places of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. I shall mention Rahab and Babylon among those who know me. Behold Philistia, Tyre, and Ethiopia, the one who is born there. But of Zion it will be said, this one and that one were born in her. And the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord should count when he registers the people. Take note of that. The Lord shall count when he registers the people. This one was born there. Then those who sing as well as those who play the flutes shall say, All my springs of joy are in you. Here he is in Psalm 87. And what's happening here is the nations are coming to to a knowledge of God. He's listed just a few right there. Babylon, um, Tyre, Cush, Philistia. And, And he's saying that people from all the world will be blessed by the descendants of Abraham, including spiritual descendants like you and I. We will bless people as well. And they will trace their blessing back to Jerusalem. Back to Abraham, back to what Jesus did on the cross. Then finally flip over to Matthew 28. And many of you will be very familiar with this passage. So there in Matthew 28, and as we have said many times, you know, can you imagine, can you imagine sitting at the bedside of a, a dying loved one, or anyone for that matter, sitting at the bedside of someone who's dying, and they can barely speak, perhaps, and they, and they ask you to come down close because they can't speak very loudly. And, and you don't say, no, I don't want to do that. I mean, like, the last thing someone says is something you want to hear, right? There are books written about the last things that people have said as they died. And so here we are, Jesus, with the last thing he says before he leaves this earth not before he died but so but it's the last thing he said before he left this earth the last thing he says it should probably be something pretty important right he's not just going to wish the guys have a good day watch out for yourselves he has something too important to say with his last words so in matthew 28 he says this go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that i commanded you and lo i'm with you always even to the end of the age so there he is it's restated perhaps more clearly than than in genesis more clearly perhaps than in psalms to make disciples of all nations of all ethne that is to bless every people group it's the same for the church as it was for Abraham and for Israel. The great blessing of all ages is the great commission of the New Testament. Make disciples of every nation and people group. 
In Acts 1.8, he kind of gives a little bit of a strategy for that. So flip over in Acts 1.8 now. Again, this is, and, and you know, and, and, and I'm not, you know, I am a pastor. We are known to be dramatic at times, all right? And so, you know, and, but this, here we is. Again, as Jesus is leaving, he is ascending. These are the last things he's saying in person to his disciples. He is ascending. And what is he talking about? But you shall receive power of the Holy Spirit may come upon you, that you may be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Do you get what's important to him? This is the last things he said. Go and make disciples. And in this one, he gives somewhat of a strategy. It's not hardcore, but he goes, go to your own people in Judea and then to your neighboring peoples in Samaria and then go to every ends of the earth. And these men, these apostles who heard this, did just that. That's the task of missions given to the church, the, the peoples of all the earth, no matter where they may be ge geographically, to be blessed. And in the centuries since Christ gave this mandate to the church, the expansion of the faith and the new disciples has had a roller coaster progression. Quickly growing in the early centuries and then waning for many years and then seeing a great thrust in the 17 and 1800s. And at first, the, the easily in the 1700s, the easily reached coastlands of India, China, Africa. Other places like that, the, the Pacific Islands, those places were gone. They were, people were going to them. But in those places, they were learning really painful lessons about reaching those coastlands. And then missionaries began to move to the inner inlands, to the inner parts of Africa, Asia, and these other places. And in those times, in the course of 40 years, I mean, in those years, in the 1800s, over 40 new organizations were formed to begin to help spread the gospel to those places that had never, ever heard it before. And many, many times, there were stories, and I, this one might be an exaggeration, but I think you get the point. And many, many times, there were this, this thing that they said that we send our missionaries with their coffins because we know they won't come back alive. Because the death rates of so many because the death rates were so high as they went and met diseases they'd never encountered or they met people that they, they didn't want to be encountered. By 1925 and the years around that time, the student missions movement had sent hundreds and thousands of missionaries around the world. And the names and the stories from all these people are just too numerous to mention. They impact, they impact right here where we live. In the 1740s, there was a guy, and I've mentioned him before because he's kind of like a hero, David Brainerd. He died at 29 years old of, of pneumonia consumption because he was riding his horse through the countryside of New Jersey, right over where the Hagmans live and the Viats live and the, and the Ashtons live, throughout that entire region there, preaching the gospel to the Delaware Indians. He was, he was influential and started in Princeton University. Right up the road here in Bethlehem, only an hour away, it was, it was, it was, Bethlehem was started in 1741 as being a missionary hub to reach the colonies by the Moravian Missionary Movement, the greatest first missionary movement that ever started. And there are so many others that I wish we had time to talk about, like Helen Rosevere, who served in the Congo, Adaram Judson, who served in India, E. Stanley Jones, whose story influenced me to go into ministry, who served in India, Gladys Alward in China, Hudson Taylor in China, William Carey in India.
But our tour through the Bible is not, open, uh, is not over yet. Please flip to Revelations 5. Revelation 5, I know plenty of you are reading and studying that right now. So open up to Revelation 5. And again, this is a passage that we do refer to because it's one that articulates that we can visualize our hopes so easily in. Verses, verse 8, start there. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, having each one a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. For you were slain and did purchase for God with thy blood men from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And thou hast made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God. And they will reign upon the earth. And I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. And the living creatures and the elders and the numbers of them was myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands. Saying in a loud voice, worthy is the, slain, the lamb that was slain to read power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. That dramatic portrayal is of a day and a time in heaven when all of this will be over and we will be gathered around that throne from every tongue, tribe, nation, and people group. There will be people there from all over the world, from Odisha State in India, from Haiti, from North Africa, from the Uyghurs from Northwest China, from the Hui Chinese, Ukrainians, Mexicans, Navajos, Germans, Jews. People from all 16,000 people groups praising, singing, worshiping, giving glory to God in a way that we cannot fathom. My friend says that, he says, men and women and children of every people group of earth, all of their own cultural gifts, with a beauty, a unique beauty, dancing in their own style, singing in their own songs, celebrating in their own unique way the God that gave them their salvation, falling down and crying in their own language, worthy is the lamb that was slain. And I think... That is when we are supremely blessed, in my personal theological opinion. We are supremely blessed when we are made to do what we're doing. When we are made to, to worship and to praise and to glorify God. In that time when we are around that globe, around that, around that throne, we will be supremely blessed as we were doing what we were made to do for all eternity. That's what God is about. That's what he's accomplishing through human history. And it will be done. It's guaranteed. It's in the book. It's like the song that Jerry leads us in. I know how the story ends and we will be with you again. That's what God is about. That's what our lives need to be about. Making disciples so that more and more of them will be around that throne. But let's close by reminding ourselves of how crossing is involved in this great eternal mission. We've supported many missionaries over the years. They've served secretly in China, in Belgium, in Klondike Territory in Canada, in Guam, various parts of Africa, Spain, Czech Republic, currently in New York City, Haiti, Odisha, and France, and facilitating soccer ministry around the world. Um, we, uh, we have a few, we have one, two, three, four, five, five works that we support. One is, for security reasons, because we're live streaming, I'm not going to go into. One is working with international students in a, met, in a major metropolitan area, um, discipling, winning international students to Christ, discipling them so that when they go back home, that they can continue to 
preach Christ to be a witness when they go back home. We serve, we facilitate Lucas in Haiti where he's using soccer to reach out to a nation that is a giant mess and needs Jesus really badly. Rich Mears, who serves with Ambassadors International and primarily in their, in their home office for their global ministry, as well as being really active in his local vicinity there in South Florida, doing soccer outreach there. We have another worker who works among North African Muslims, um, developing materials to train leaders so that they can serve the local churches in their areas. And then finally, Two years ago, in 2021, we started the Odisha Project here with CCI and Dave Nelson. Our goal is to raise $56,000 to help facilitate the training of national pastors. That's not it at all. Our goal was to see a church in every county in the state of Odisha in India, a place where there are no churches currently. That was our goal in 2021. To do that, we were going to fund the translation, the editing, the encoding, and the publishing of 3,000 pages of comprehensive leadership training materials to train church leaders to go into that state and begin to evangelize and to build churches. I'm really, really happy to say that as of last week, well, actually, I take that back. Last year, we raised, we raised the 56,000. We added 10 more thousand to the goal, and we finished that a week and a half ago. We've raised $65,500 to fund this project. What the outcome of it has been so far in the report that we got from VJ, the coordinator there, is that they have over 100 people. He says over 100 tribal people who are attending training regularly. Most of the students have completed the book one and now are studying book two, which is Old Testament survey. And so in other words, that goal of seeing churches planted in Odisha is well on its way moving as God is continuing to bless it, as he's blessed it through your generosity and your giving there, and now he's blessed it. He's placed these people in these strategic places to train up churches to represent Jesus in a place where there is no witness. Someday, when you arrive in heaven and you are at the throne, another personal theological opinion, I hope that God gives us the ability to know that there are other people around that throne because of our giving, because of our witness, because of what we've, some small thing we've done. So someday there'll be people around that throne from Odisha State praising God in Odia, that is their language, because of the giving we did here and because of the training that those men are doing right now overseas. Many of those men who are going through that training they will be persecuted. There's no doubt that some of them will be martyred. But that is the nature of the ministry that they're in. That is something that they are willing to die for. Matter of fact, we've shared this story before when we were talking about this project at the very beginning, that several years ago now, there's an Australian family that, had just, that was going to be doing work in Odisha State. And the wife stayed at home, but the father and the son went into Odisha to do ministry. They had no place to stay, so they stayed in their car overnight. And that night, while they were there, the Hindu zealots torched their car and burned them alive in their car. And that's the place that we are hoping, that we believe, that one day there will be churches in every state in that place. Because of the materials that are being produced, 
the leaders that are being trained, the churches that they're going to start. So that's a little bit of a tour through the Bible. That's a little bit of an update on the ministry Crossing has and missions right now. I hope that I'll be more faithful to be able to uh, share more stuff with you as ago. This week I hope to give you an update from VJ in India with a couple of videos in it. So let's close with prayer for our ministries, for giving, for thanking God that he gives us the opportunity to be involved. That it should be a joy to our hearts to know that the money you give is being used in those ways and that the kingdom is being progressed. And perhaps there's other things you're doing that's helping that to happen as well. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we thank you for the work you're doing around the world. And we thank you that you, when you set yourself, when you set for yourself that mission that people from every tongue, tribe, nation, and people group would be at the throne, that it is a privilege and it is an honor that you let us be involved in that. We look forward today, today we look forward to that day, Father, when there will be people from the Uyghur people, there will be people from Odisha, Haitians and all these other places we've talked about that we've had the honor and the privilege in some way of being able to play a role in their coming to Christ. And now, Father, we continue to pray for each of those works we talked about, the work in in New York City, the work in North Africa, the work in Haiti, the work with soccer ministry, the work in India, that you would go before each of those workers, that they'd have a sense of your hand, a provision upon them, And in the hard times that have a sense of your hand of sustaining power upon them, that you would give them that that kind of grit that they need to continue to pursue the goal of Jesus among every tongue, tribe, nation, and people group. And it's in your good and glorious name that we pray, amen and amen.